live from the ESPN 690 and Atari Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. So I'm going to go play in a game right now, and it might be very, very successful. Uh, so there's um, no, no doubt that when I need to be successful, when I need to do the things that I... Uh, that it takes to be on the field, um, I'll do exactly that, and the time will be right. Uh, boy. That one I don't know. That's a tough one. Know. I'm going to go with... Uh, timing will be right. He I'm was... Like a young quarterback type of guy. Like, I mean, would it, could I... Trey Lance... You're kind of on the right track with young quarterback. Kuz, can you play it again a little bit? Sorry, I had a little Kyla Murray sound to it, but that, I didn't even hear it. He wasn't hurt or anything. So, I mean, I can go play in a game right now, and, I, and it might be very, very successful. Uh, so there's um, no no doubt that when I need to be successful, when I need to do the things that I uh, that it takes to be on the field, um, I'll do exactly that, and the time will be right. So, I mean, I can... Man. Justin Fields, I guess. No. Damn. It's a guy already in the Oh, league. Jordan Love. Nope. Damn. Wow, you got excited <laughs> about that one. Well, because, I mean, oh, I'm ticked, man. I'm competitive. Now you're yelling at me. Well, yeah, yeah that's pretty, that pretty loud. People are, people are starting to murmur. Uh, <laughs> um, I got nothing. All right, Coos, who was it? Dak Prescott. Really? That was Dak Prescott? Yeah. Huh. Give me a break. Should have been better. What's he talking about? It's your time. You're starting quarterback. What's well, he talking about? Coming, the injury, man. coming back, well, yeah, from the injury, yeah, saying that like he could be, he could go out there right now. Yeah, yeah. Find somebody. It's, it made sense from injury, but I, I just, I thought uh, I knew Dak Prescott better than I did. I guess. Yeah. Uh, hey, real quick, uh, Kyler Murray in their offense. I mean, uh, how crazy good could they potentially be? Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, they got the who was it? Rondell Moore. They got right. Correct. Um, yeah, like anybody else. Unbelievable. What I think about him, Brent, I mean, listen, if this was last year and we are talking about my fantasy football rankings, you know we'd have a whole segment dedicated to Kyler Murray. Now, I've moved past it. I don't care about Kyler Murray, but if you're asking me how good they're going to be, I think they're going to be great. Are you thinking of taking Kyler again? No. Nope. Because One-year wonder? Nope. That, no, I think he's going to have a fantastic season, maybe even be an MVP candidate. But that, that's not how I operate my fantasy football teams. All right. It's not a keeper. Like I, don't, I don't take the same guy twice. Nope. You always go on to bigger and better. All right, we'll see what that is. Well, was uh, yep. I, I'm not sure you went bigger and better. Was Kyler Murray better than Lamar Jackson for you? No. I mean, I don't know, Brett. No. It, it was QB one and QB one. So what do you want me to tell you, man? I mean, it was comparable to say the least. It, it got me the championship. Got me the dance. Where were you at? <laughs> sitting sitting in the parking lot at Clemson, trying to get in, interviewing Todd McShay. Well, I'm in the dance doing my thing, me, me and Trevor Lawrence hanging out. Brent's trying to get interviews with people in the parking lot. That's where you were. <laughs> hey, it's a good day to get interviews with people in the parking lot. <laughs> we are sitting in one. Uh, Cantina Louis, uh, Cinco de Mayo, along with Vita de Louis right next to us. And now the place is rocking. Hey, take a look behind. they got a line to yeah. get in here, yep. and uh, they're here to see us. Uh, so, <laughs> come on out. Say hello. Monument Road location for Cantina Louis. Uh, been a lot of fun this afternoon. And uh, I know there's some weather in the area, but so far, knock on wood, it's stayed away from us uh, to this point. We're going to need that weather to stay away a little bit next couple of days. we got some regional baseball and softball action starts tonight for a lot of the teams. Uh, the most important game uh, in, in the Martineau home is tomorrow and Friday. 
Uh, so let, let's keep that rain away because right now I got Kaylee and Tyler on two different days. Okay. And if the rain comes, that means I might get Kaylee and Tyler on the same day. That could be a rough and we one. We don't want to do that. Are you here tomorrow or not? Yes, yeah, so I, I might be down at Creekside doing the show so okay. I can get to the game. Okay. But uh, the game's not till seven o'clock, so I'm yet to decide. But I will be here. Okay, Friday, well, Stuart Weber is going to pinch hit. Yep. While I go down to Orlando with Ty. Okay. I will get my puns ready. <laughs> Get your puns ready. Got a whole for, book of them. Gonna unleash those bad boys. <laughs> if you can one up Stewart on some puns, hey, I definitely can't do that, man. I'm just trying to keep up. Then uh, you're in uh, good shape. I'm gonna try to keep up. Uh, let's go football at five. You mentioned power ranking Sports Illustrated. I think came out with some power rankings. They the did. Question is, did the Jags move up any? Like, how how was this draft viewed? <laughs> it's kind of funny, right? Uh, people talk about the grades of drafts. I mean, can you really do it? Uh, whatever. It's a fun exercise. Do yeah, it if yeah. you want. Uh, but I can understand why people criticize it too. <laughs> it's like, what can you really tell? Yep. Uh, it really takes three years to figure out a draft. Most people will say. Sometimes we know sooner than that. Yeah. Uh, Power poll kind of works the same way, but I kind of put this in line with the schedule and was predicting. The NFL is one of the most unpredictable engines there is in sports, mm-hmm. and we decided to sit here and predict the schedule all the time. But, hey, that's what we do. It's fun. So, power poll-wise, uh, so, did the national folks at Sports Illustrated say, hey, this draft may have boosted the Jags up a, a couple of notches in sure. our power poll? So, uh, yeah, so by the way, this power poll is conducted by eight, quote-unquote, NFL experts, and they all voted on the power poll, and then the results are as follows. Okay. So do you want the Jaguars? Yeah. We're, uh, well, who's uh, is one Tampa or Kansas City? Kansas City's number one. we got Tampa Bay coming at number two. Buffalo Bills number three. Uh, Los Angeles Rams wow, number Bills. four. Wow, the Rams. Ravens number five. Packers number six. San Fran number seven, Cleveland Browns number eight, Indianapolis number nine, and Seattle rounding out the top ten. Care to guess who dropped the farthest in the power rankings from the time when the season was over um, through the draft? What team dropped the farthest? Kind of obvious when you think about it, um, but maybe not so obvious. Talented team, not Pittsburgh. Good guess, good guess, not Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh actually, where are they ranked on here? They're 15. Dropped the farthest. Uh... I'm going to say the Patriots probably took the biggest hike up because everybody loves the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, to set the scene real quick, I'm going to say Tennessee. Tennessee's also a good guess at number 13. New Orleans. Ah, New Orleans right. fell the most, yeah. yeah. Drew Brees, obviously. Should have got it. You're right. Uh, the Tennessee's number 13, by the way. Uh, what were they at the end, does it say? Uh, the end, Tennessee, was uh, 9. Okay, so a so little bit of a drop. A little bit of a drop. Where were the Jags at the end of the year, 31? Or 32? I believe 31, yes. So 31. They, they didn't even think they were the worst team, even yep. though they were 1 in 15. And uh, they gave them a, a draft grade of a C plus. Really? Their draft grade was only a C plus by yes. Sports Illustrated? Correct. Well, this is by eight experts. So. Really? And, I, and once again, I say experts in quotes. They got Trevor Lawrence, people. Hey, man. They got hey, Trevor Lawrence. Hey, hey, I don't work for Sports Illustrated, so you don't got to yell at me. If, I'm just telling you what it says. If they took Trevor Lawrence, me, Martin Buckley, and Austin Lane in the fifth round, it would be better than a C+. Well, well you're, you're going to get three dedicated and solid years out of me. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I would like to point out he put, he put himself above <laughs> you in the, dra- in the draft there. <laughs> Who, he got Brett Martino? Uh, oh, yeah, mean, he yeah. said himself before you in that draft. Goose. By the way, let him let him live in sunshine and rainbow land. We just we just redrafted Austin Lane in the 2021 draft as a tight end. I'm playing tight end too, baby. <laughs> hey Tim Tebow, by the way. Hey Tim Tebow. Hey, keyword is competition. Tebow, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you, man. Uh, so Jags bumped up. I'm a little surprised by the way. C plus. I, I told you that though. I don't think this draft would. I think people would maybe even be very critical of the Jags draft without yes uh, Trevor Lawrence. And I think. 
people can see the logic and fall in love with ETN, although not everybody loves the fact that you draft a running back in the first round. So plenty of criticism to go around for the draft. Trevor Lawrence takes a lot of that away. C-plus surprises me a little bit. So the ranking overall, though, it is an upgrade. They are ranked 28th in the NFL right now, according to the power rankings. Uh, and that is back from, obviously, 31. Care to take a guess who the four teams that are worked, were, uh, ranked worse than the Jacksonville Jaguars are, Brent? All right, the four teams worse than the Jags. The Jets will definitely be in the conversation. Yep, one team is definitely surprising me. And by the way, the Jets are not in the conversation. Really? They jumped the Jets? The Jets are 25. Wow, Denver. Denver is not. Really? I mean, can you please name the obvious one? The obvious team? Oh, Houston. Thank you very much. That's one. Three right, more. Is Houston dead last? Houston is as, as they should be. That's yeah. where they belong. Enjoy that. Giants, Buckley says. No way. Giants are not. No, Giants are actually up there. A lot They're, of love uh, with Daniel Jones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm feel about that. Um, Giants are number 18. Martin. Cincinnati yes. is behind the Jags. Cincinnati is behind the Jaguars. Yes. Okay. They're, they're number 30. So that's Houston and Cincinnati. Yep. I need number 29 and 31. Correct. Uh, 29's a surpriser. I'm just telling you right now. The, uh, and it wasn't Denver. Wasn't Denver? Uh, the Lions. Lions are another team. Yes. Yep. Thirty-one. Yep. The other one is the surprising one at twenty-nine. To me, surprising. Twenty-nine surprising pick. Got a B minus in the draft. How uh, far did they fall from last year? Uh, the post Super Bowl rankings had them at twenty-six, which makes sense. So they weren't that good to begin with. Yeah. Maybe it's not so surprising now that I think about it. Um. I'm going to say I get one guess here, okay? One guess. Bear okay. with me, everybody listening. Come on, guess along with me. You're tell you're yelling at me right now. Mind mouth, hey, mind mouth, mind pick mouth. Pick this team. Kuz, you gonna say something? Pick this well, team. I don't what know. Kuz, I'm worried. Brent may have already said it because I might have missed it because I walked away for a second. But is it the Eagles? Boom. Kuz won it. Oh, Bang. Go Carolina. My guess was gonna be Carolina. Hey Kuz, what, what are you doing Friday? The you want to host the show with me? <laughs> you busy? <laughs> sure. Let's see. You want to host the show with me? I mean. Who's finally paid off from the say a Philly team? He gets his Philly kids every time. <laughs> not even paying attention, and just comes over the top on Brett Marno and says, "This is my show now." I'm just saying, Brett. Pretty impressive by, by way, Justin. Cooper. What does that say about Jalen Hurts? Why didn't they do more at quarterback? Hey, you hey, got hey, belief hey, that Jalen hey, Hurts nobody hey, else does in Philly. I agree hey, with you, SI, on this one. Hey, Brett, are in trouble. I, I can't say this enough. Eight quote unquote experts have this team ranked. Now you know how I feel about Jalen Hurts. Could be my fantasy football sleeper. Time will tell Good, when the draft comes up. Okay. Well, Brent, I'm batting one thousand right now, all right? I'm putting up Stanton numbers right now in terms of home runs. Stanton on a roll lately. With, thank you for yeah, by the way, that's gonna be my bet to win. Uh Lamar Jackson and now Kyler Murray, Brent. I mean, all I need is Jalen Hurts for the trifecta, and then who knows what's gonna happen. I could be taking Mike Clay's job pretty soon. <laughs> yes, remember, yeah. remember when he called in, right? And what did yeah. I say? What did I say with Mike Clay? I said, Josh Allen, Kyle Murray. Yeah, I like Kyle Murray. Josh Allen, not so much. Okay, Mike, we'll see. Well, how did Josh Allen do this past fantasy football year? That might be the biggest surprise, actually. Buffalo is viewed in the NFL circles as a third, uh, as, at least in this, the third best team in the NFL going into the season right now. Yes. I mean, there is a lot of love for Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen, the way people are. Uh, listen, it's for good reason. They, they produced. I mean, Stephon Diggs was unbelievable. But it's really the love for. You want to see how something changed. The love for their ownership, front office, coaching staff mm-hmm. is so different than it was four years ago. I mean, five years ago. Whatever it was. 
it's amazing, man, how much. I mean, they had ownership troubles yeah. you know, when they were selling that team. They wondered if they would move to Toronto or somewhere. And now what they've done with the hiring of McDermott in the front office, they are getting rave reviews. I mean, they are like the apple of the NFL eye right now when it comes to analysts. And then Josh Allen, his turnaround has been remarkable. You just don't see many quarterbacks do that. But Buffalo's a heck of a story. And Buffalo actually should be a very good story for the Jaguars to Look at and say it can turn quickly, yeah. and we can become a darling in the NFL if we do this correctly. If the Shadkan, Urban Meyer, Trent Bulky, Trevor Lawrence thing works, well, you could become what Buffalo now is, which was a contender last year. They built that thing from the time they played the Jags and lost in the divisional, uh, the wild card game in 17, and here we are. Many people think they're a Super Bowl contender. Uh, going into 2021. Really nice story for Buffalo, and the Jags could look up to that and hopefully say in two, three years down the road, they could be in a similar situation. So this is the depressing thing about being a Jaguars fan and, and following this team, because if you go back to 2012, and it was the Jaguars and the Kansas City Chiefs had the worst records in the NFL, right? Fighting for the number one and number two overall draft picks, fighting for Eric Fischel and Luke Joko. We know how that panned out. But, like, that was the comparable thing, right? Well, what happens? Kansas City the next year elevates themselves. They get, eventually get Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid's over there, and that whole franchise gets turned around. What happens to Jacksonville? It's more of the same. And then back in 2017, you play a playoff game against the Buffalo Bills. You know, two teams that were, you know, they, they, they were kind of on death's door for a while. They make a comeback a little bit. Bills, Jaguars. Bills, oh, I'm sorry, the Jaguars win that game. The Bills go home. But then since that time, what has happened? The Bills have elevated themselves, and the Jaguars, well, they've been the Jaguars. So it's just two key examples of two comparable, I guess you want to say, where teams were at at the time, and they're in two different spots now. I still say, and again, you go back to my article, how do you fix the Jags? Buffalo is a great example of going to get Stephon Diggs. I didn't like the move at first. I thought they were giving up way too much. Look how it paid dividends. It was a risky, I don't know about how risky of a move, but it was a bold move that yeah. paid off. We still haven't seen the Jags do anything bold, I would say. Right, uh, this offseason. I, I don't think there's a bold nature yet. Well, I think ETN's bold. Yeah, I think look at that as say it I is. think drafting Travis ETN at pick number 25 when you have a guy that had 1,000 yards last year as a leading rusher. Oh, what do you, oh my bad. Go ahead. Keep oh, talking. Okay. I need to see the time. My car. Oh, I got you. Sharp. Sorry, man. Uh, but I think Coach, Travis, let me know if Rick Riles is on. <laughs> <laughs> but I think driving Travis Etienne is definitely outside the box for now. I mean, there could be bigger moves down the pipeline. But that definitely sticks out to me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I guess. I don't know if it's that. Oh, well, maybe it will be. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, you got a guy that's got 1,400 yards from scrimmage. You go get a running back in, in round one, a move that can be criticized and open for that. Uh, and maybe that is the move. Uh, you know, maybe that's that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, hey, real quick, Todd, you, you brought up this conversation, college football changing some rules mm-hmm. about Oklahoma drills, practices. Yeah. Uh, how do you view that? Do you view that as safety uh, for the players, um, softness of the where our football world is going? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's always an interesting dynamic for someone like you. When you get into the league, you, you're you're introduced with Oklahoma drills. The Oklahoma drill has been like obliterated from the NFL. Correct. It's getting obliterated. It looks like from college football. I think they still might do it at high schools because it just can't be relegated. Yeah. <laughs> but um, well, where do you sit on some of the rule changes in college ball? It's interesting, kind of seeing some of the responses from college coaches because you know, college coaches kind of and everyone's different. But like for instance, uh, I forget the guy's name, but the coach at Navy. 
um, he, he came out and said it's going to be a detriment to football. And he actually compared it to MMA a little bit. It's like if you're getting ready for a fight, yeah, you can't spar every single day. But you also have to do some grappling. You have to work on your skills. And he feels that if you don't get to, you know, you can't hit and live tackle all this stuff, it's going to hurt your players. There's a fine line. And obviously that line now is erring towards the side of caution and player safety. I'm not mad at that. I think this is on college coaches to adjust and, and, and to revamp uh, their philosophies of how you should run a practice. Yeah, you don't have to go live every single day. Now, there is some need for that, right, because you have to kind of get that feel of hitting and the physicality. But there's a lot of things that you can do in terms of tackling. Like, to me, it comes down to what? Proper tackling, number one. Technique. And, and proper, yeah, the technique, and then proper intensity, number two. That intensity, yeah, you get that out of scrimmaging, um, running in team inside drills and stuff like that. I understand. But when we talk about tackling, you don't have to tackle on the ground, right? You, you, you can put out, you know, dummies and stuff like that and have pads down and still get the same thing and get the proper form of, ta- of tackling and all that stuff. So I think it's a matter of these college coaches now having to adjust, just like everyone else is having to do. you got to adjust. And if that means you got to take away some of the tackling in practice, you got to take away some of the drills, then so be it. Um, it's for the player's safety. And if you're a coach and you can't adapt to that and you can't adjust to it, then you're probably not that good of a coach in the first place. Yeah, listen, I get it from the coaching perspective how that would take away some of that uh, you know, the mentality, the, the physicality of what the sport is. So I get it, but I kind of feel like coaches have made their own bed here. This is like the world correcting itself. Mm. You know, you can go all the way back to the way college basketball players and coaches in general, I'm sorry, coaches used to treat players from the Bobby Knights of the world that that stuff can't even be even sniffed upon anymore or you're gone. Right? Yeah, it's a lawsuit uh, waiting to happen. Yeah, these it's days. like, there, and so there's, and some might argue, well, then there's no discipline and there's, it's all to the players. So, yeah, so maybe it's an overcorrection, but that's because it got away with it for so long and it never was corrected yeah. for so long. And so I, I kind of view football like that in the sense that, hey, this, this brutal sport, violent sport, you had like, the player safety, you would say it in front of a microphone or say it in front of a team meeting, but you really wouldn't act on it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so it got so far down the line and carried away that we have to kind of rein it back in all these years later because it is a sincere issue now. It's a scientific study now. And, well, quite frankly, the colleges won't want to be liable for some of the stuff. So um, I think that's what it is. Like, I, I get it from a coaching perspective. How do you coach some of that stuff that's involved in the game? But I think this is kind of the Price coaches are now paying for that old school mentality that didn't get corrected soon enough, or at yeah. least it wasn't a gradual removal from as the science came along. I mean, it it, it just now all of a sudden it's taken this giant leap, and yeah. we're kind of shocked by it, right? We're stunned by it, but it's probably something that gradually over time should have been corrected, and we should have been weaned off it from a coach-player relationship uh, standpoint at all levels of football. We just have so much more knowledge and so much more science telling us. Hey, you just can't do this every day. It well, just doesn't make sense. Absolutely. And uh, let's be honest, it, it does come down to player safety. We've echoed that a lot on this show. I mean, it, it's one thing to say, yeah, we value the players, we do all this stuff, but it's another thing to actually show it, right? Like, you can, you can be the NFL and say player safety comes first, but then you have 17 games in a, in a football season, you take away some preseason games, so, like, how important is player safety? The same thing can be said for college football as well. So, yeah, I get it. Head coach is going to have a problem with this, um, you know, 
the, the old players, the old heads are probably going to have a problem with this as well. I get that as well. But at the end of the day, it's for the betterment of the game. Um, and it's it's on you as a coach to take the time a lot because everyone's on the same level right now. Okay? So it's not like some guy's got an advantage over you. Everyone's got to follow the rules. And the best coach will be, you know, unveiled in terms of getting his guys ready and prepared to play in games. Yeah, the game's changing. The world's changed. It's tough for uh – the bridging of that football coach, especially that new the old school. Yeah. It's uh, just uh, so different for sure. Hey, it's a uh, 5 o'clock hour, football at 5, here on a Wednesday. Cinco de Mayo, we're at Cantina Louis on Monument Road. Vita de Louis here as well. Oh, no better time for the happy hour home. The islands and every drop of Vida de Luis tequila. 100% blue agave from tequila, Mexico. Good vibes. Uh, looking at my friends over there from Vita de Louis, Mark Lowry, Martin Buckley, and others, and there's a long line for some taste testing on, here. on their tent. Nobody's getting in the line to. Like, get our autograph or pictures or anything like that. Not Maybe yet. Maybe we should have had some Vita Maybe we should have had some tequila. I think that, that's kind of the selling point. Either that or Tim Tebow. I don't know Tim Tebow. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Good point. Tebow's not here. He's not here. Um, he's trying to catch passes off a jug's machine right now. <laughs> uh, com, the place to go, uh, where you can uh, find a bottle of Vita de Louis tequila, the smoothest tequila you'll ever taste. And Yeho, Reposado, Blanco, three different kinds. Locally owned in Jacksonville Beach, brought in from Tequila, Mexico. Check it out, VitaDeLouis.com. Check us out on the other side. We're going to take a break. We come back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 rolls on. Here from Cantina Louis on Monument Road. We'll be here until 6 o'clock. Come out and say hello. We'll be back on ESPN 690. My number one target would be Sean McVay out in Los Angeles. And I think when you look at Sean McVay, based on him coming in, boy wonder, and everybody, you stand next to him, he sneezes on you, you get a job. All of that whole little theory that was going on for about a year, year and a half. He was a great old Asian specialist coach, blah, blah, blah. All it sizzled. He's done well. He's gone to a Super Bowl and a couple playoff appearances. But all fingers pointed to the quarterback and Jared Goff being an issue, which means that I can go to Les Snead now as Ask Sean McVay and say, let's look. I can't win with this guy. There's no way this guy, he's, he's, I can't do it. I got to find the guy. So they pick up the phone. They call and try to see if Aaron Rodgers is available. Click. They hang up on him. They say, okay, we'll go get Matthew Stafford. They traded Jared Goff away after two years of giving him $100-plus plus million and they painted him as the, re- as and the problem. They, and they painted him as the problem. And when you do that, now you get what you want. And anything less, in my opinion, based upon the haul that you gave, anything less than winning the division and going to the Super Bowl is a complete failure. Well, that is Keyshawn, Zubin, Jay in the morning, ESPN 690. Listen to him 6 a.m. until 10 a.m. Brett Martineau, Austin Lane. You can listen to us 3 p.m. until 6 p.m. every day right here on ESPN 690. We're at Cantina Louis, Monument Road, Cinco de Mayo, along with Vita de Louis. Come on by. We'll be here until 6 o'clock. I think these folks will be open nice and late for you, though, Oh yeah. <laughs> if you want to uh, stop by. You know, brought up uh, some topical ideas, and I think... Um, Pretty interesting soccer we don't talk a lot about, but over the last uh, couple of weeks, we had the Super League conversation, uh, which actually can translate to sports. In fact, right now it's translating a little bit into the golf world. (laughs) If you look at it, uh, there's some new information out about that. Again, this this 
Super League in golf that would rival the PGA Tour. Uh, that is coming to Colin with buco bucks, man, like <laughs> big dollars to try to lure some of the top players. It's fascinating. I'm going to talk about the soccer in a moment, but just a quick thought on the golf. We're talking paying some of the stars of golf thirty to fifty million dollars to be a part of it. Yeah, just guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. I thought Phil Mickelson had some interesting points. He, he said in sports, you're an NFL player, you go and play when the NFL says there are games. Okay. In golf, you go and play whenever the hell you want to play. True. Right. True. It's up to you. Yep. If you qualify, first of all, if you if if you can get in the field, you go play when you want to play. Well. The freedom to do that is a nice benefit of the golf, of PGA Tour, around family, around other commitments that you would give up in this kind of super league, if you will, in golf worldwide, uh, backed by a lot of Saudi dollars. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. He says I don't know if people would be willing to give that up, even with the price tag of dollars, where you make thirty to fifty million. I, I don't. This thing has been around for a while. I think if you read Rory Backward, who I always think is very good on this kind of stuff, yeah. he says, "Listen, they've been trying to do this stuff." They've been coming after me for since 2014 on it, yeah. and nothing has really happened. Although now they say in 2022, the fall, they're going to launch this thing. Can it succeed? Can it rival the the PGA Tour? Ah, man, I don't think so. To me, I compare it to like the sport of, of mixed martial arts and boxing right now, with all these super fights and everything. Sure, it sounds good to make a lot of money, and that's the whole point. And if you're a professional golfer, then so be it. But at the same time, even if you're like an MMA fighter and say you go fight for Bellator or you go fight for 1FC, which they have a lot of capital, they have a lot of equity, and you can make a lot of money, there's still that UFC brand that you aspire to fight for because it's the UFC. Because it's just, it's the creme de la creme, if you will. I feel the exact same way about the PGA Tour. Where, <clears throat> where it's like, yeah, you, you can kind of do like these side things where you can have some celebrities, remember the whole... Uh, Tiger Woods, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Phil Mickelson. Like, that was great and everything. But, like, I mean, you know, that that, that that was gimmicky. And it was supposed to be. But it was entertaining. But, like, I didn't walk away and say, wow, Tiger Woods is so much better than Phil Mickelson. No. The reason why Tiger Woods is Tiger Woods is because he won on the PGA Tour against the best competition. I just feel like, and once again, depending who you all get, but it's not going to be everybody. If you can't get everybody, then what are we talking about? I just feel like if you start that new league with golf, okay, there'll be some good talent, but it won't be the PGA Tour field. And if you don't have that field, then how can you say you're by far the best if you're not winning on that scene? Well, there's one other thing that's happening kind of slow. Two things happening slowly. We talked about this a few weeks ago where the PGA Tour is offering like up to $40 million pool yeah. for the top um, most popular players, if you yeah, will. Yeah, you know, I feel about that, too, yeah. Yeah, but this was their way of saying, hey, we got more money in the game for you. Sure. Right, because if you're, if you're really just looking at something else because of the dollars, well, we got some another carrot out here for you. How much money do you really need? But, hey, here you go. Uh, you can get more because of your influence of the game. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is there's kind of like this combined effort between the – uh, European tour and the PGA tour. Mm-hmm. That's going. That's kind of trying to help solidify their place in the game. And I think that that is going to, I believe, give the stiff arm to anything going on um, that will rival it. But hey, money talks at the end of the day, and all it takes a couple of players to to do that or somebody to get ticked off. It becomes a good leverage play for the players on the PGA tour. I would believe at some point down sure. the road. So keep an eye on it. Now I mentioned the soccer. Another big soccer deal going on the last couple of days, yeah. Manchester United fans forced uh, a postponement of a game because uh, they were 
uh, basically got into the stadium and and uh, blocked access mm-hmm. into the stadium. This is the the Glazer family who owns Man, Man U now. Well, um, keep in mind they also own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so this is unprecedented in soccer. I, f- I found that interesting. I, I figured as loyal and staunch supporters and, and passionate as they are, I thought we may have seen this in the past. But when I was reading about it, this is unprecedented uh, kind of well, yeah. in terms of protest. Sure. And the fans uh, at least caused a postponement. Yeah, it, it, I think it's happened on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And I remember like I was, I saw it like trending on Twitter, and then I was following that because I was so interested because, like you said, um, it, it was unheard of. And when you talk about Manchester United of the Premier League, I mean, they're almost like the New York Yankees, right? There's, for a long time, they had the most money. They had the most um, equity built up where they get whoever they wanted. Like, Man U is a giant brand, a giant global brand. And their fans are fed up. And their fans are fed up with the Glazer family. It's funny, like, I'm sure Tampa Bay fans... Do they have any opinion right way or another about the Glazer family? Probably not. They could care less, yes, right? Yes. But when you go across the pond and you see Man U and you see what they're doing in terms of, well, they're not having the most successful seasons, right? Um, it, it seems like the Glazer family, they're not communicating well with their fan base. Well, this is what happens. And, like, we want to say how, you know, we're all passionate here in the game of football in the United States. Well, dude, over there, I mean, it, it's everything. It's tradition. It's family tradition. Um you know, and it's just, it's all they got in Manchester United. So you saw the, the outcry, you saw this breaking. Now keep in mind, this wasn't just one circumstance. I think it started away with that, that Super League that's yes. rumored to be started up with Manchester United as well. And, you know, obviously you're ruining the, the traditions of soccer right there. But then to put on top of it, it seemed like, you know, the ownership wasn't listening to the fans, wasn't keeping them informed, and it seems like it's just kind of a cash grab from the Glazer family. Well, that ticked a lot of soccer fans off, and you saw what happened when they stormed the field and started protesting. Well, and especially with the Glazer family, but especially with American owners of the football clubs over there. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's been a bone of contention to begin with a little bit, and then you add the Super League idea, and even though the fans won in like 24 hours there on the Super League, like, they reverse course. Everybody oh, yeah, did. Yeah, 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 but yeah. this was now about saying, hey, we don't trust you anymore, yep. owner. And owners now have to try to get the trust back of the fans. And this was a demonstration, even though it was a week and a half later, this was a demonstration in part because of that. To me, it shows uh, – this is why I think it was significant. Again, we don't really talk soccer much. And it, the direct impact of that on uh, Jacksonville or the United States sports scene, I think, is, is minuscule. But I think it also goes – to show you the power of the fan, you know, and, sure. and there's a subtle power of the fan to begin with all the time because they're your customer, yeah. whether they want to buy the ticket or not buy the ticket. When the, when people hear noise from the fan base internally, you hear that whether it's the business office or the football office, whether it's a college or whether it's a pro team. I think if you go back, even it's interesting, Tebow, right? Yeah. You go back to Tebow and and it was Cutler at the time, wasn't it? No, uh, who do you take? Orton. Over? Orton. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, it, if you go back to that, like I think Tebow got into the lineup mostly because of the fans. Like yeah. the fans were calling for it, and like, all right, we're gonna try it. Like, didn't it feel like that from far? We weren't covering it close to close, but 
that's what it felt like from afar. There were so many calls for Tebow to give him a shot, some based on Orton's play, of course. Yeah. But the love with Tebow that he was kind of put in the lap saying, all right, let's see. If, let's well, see. We don't think it's going to work, but here, but we'll also, show you. Yeah, but he's also a first-round pick as well. He was. So, like, he was. I mean, you, you did sacrifice to get But him. it's not just Tebow either. Like, we talk about these quarterbacks. Mac Jones, if he's not playing and Cam Newton stinks, they're yeah. going to call for Mac Jones. Yeah. Trey Lance, if uh, Jimmy G stinks, they're going to call for Trey Lance. Yeah. It's what happened here with Gabbert and Bortles as well. Give me the new I, guy. See, I just think that the, the fundamental difference between football and, and soccer over there and the mistake that the, the Glazer family made was when you're an owner of, of, of a, a professional sports team, yeah, sure, you may be a fan of the sport, but why are you owning the team? You're owning the team to make money, okay? And when we talk about football over here, you know, it's it's people's you know it's people's passion. People get tattoos of their favorite teams. Like it's what they support on Sundays, right? It's uh, it, it can be just a little vein away from their their existence, and they get lost in the game of football, fantasy football, all that stuff. People love the game of football, but but uh, I was gonna say, but to to the Glazer point of the mistake that he made. You saw Manchester United, and you said, okay, this is going to be a business. I'm going to make money off this. What you didn't take into account that people aren't just fans of Manchester United. That's people's lives. Like, that's literally their livelihood. And when you mess with somebody's livelihood and you take that away, people are going to get upset. And people are, are going to riot. I don't, say, I don't say riot, but people are going to protest and break in your soccer stadium and show that. You can't take away people's livelihood, and that's what the Glazers, I felt like, failed to understand. Where, yeah, you're trying to make a, a dollar, you're trying to make money. That's the point of any business. I get that, but you're not taking into account the crazy, rabid fan base that is, you know, in the Premier League. Yeah, the relationship between ownership fans is is a separation which seems like miles. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it's a tough one to to get to sometimes. Unless you really do understand it. And yep. if you really do understand it, you're way ahead of the game, I would think, in the ownership business in professional sports, especially but, what you're saying over there. Because I, I don't want to cut you off, man. What, you, what were you going to say? Sorry about that. Now nah, you was just telling us we got a minute to break. Oh, my bad. <laughs> okay. I guess I wasn't listening. So let's go to break. Uh, right. Let's go break. Come back uh, one more time. Here from Cantina Louis on ESPN 690. We're on Monument Road up until uh, 6 o'clock here. Vita de Louis out here as well. Cinco de Mayo on a Wednesday. Celebrate with us. We'll be back on ESPN 690. I believe John Gruden will move heaven and earth to try and get Aaron Rodgers. And I think... It would be a really good matchup. And here's why. Because I think Aaron Rodgers on any team is a championship contender. I genuinely believe that. You put Rodgers on the Las Vegas Raiders and they are a Super Bowl contender. I'm telling you that right now. If Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay, I would bet you my house he wins again before they do. That is Mike Greenberg. Giving away houses. It's a dangerous thing, Greeny. Don't do it. Yeah. Who does want Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I, I get it. I don't think it's going to happen. couple quick baseball things. Yankees fan. I mean, I have so long forgotten about Houston and the cheating scandal. Yankees fans obviously having a little Oscar. Oh, no. Rocks, yeah, right? yeah, They're yeah. They're still getting it a couple Good. years later. And you get it. Like, it makes sense, right, because of the pandemic. But You've earned it. 
Um, yeah, I don't have no problem with it. It's just like, my gosh, it's like that seems like forever ago now. Yeah. Uh, and they'll continue to get it. Yep. Will this be it? I mean, will they get? Will Houston get the wrath of that after this year, or does everybody just want like one shot at I it? I think as long as Houston remains to be a solid baseball team, they're either going to still get it, as they should, because people don't forget. How about Tony Larusa not fully knowing the extra inning rule? I did not see this one. He. It would have allowed him to avoid using closer Liam Hendricks as a base runner in a nothing-nothing game against the Reds on Wednesday. Hendricks had double-switched into the game in the bottom of the ninth, inhabiting the number five spot, which made the last out in the top of the frame. Per MLB rules, and extra innings begin as extra innings begin. The spot in the order to make the last out in the previous inning becomes the base runner at second base. However, if that spot is occupied by a pitcher, the team has the option to use the preceding player in the batting order as the runner. In this case would have been Jose Abreu. And so, LaRusa says, I didn't know that after the one nothing loss. <laughs> I was not aware of that. Okay. LaRusa came with some criticism to begin with because that was like a young and upcoming team it felt like in what they had rebuilt in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And they bring in old guy Tony LaRusa mm-hmm. with an unbelievable resume. Mm-hmm. But it was, I remember talking about it. I was like, come on, man, that doesn't. It doesn't seem to work, mm-hmm. you know, in this day and age. But game's changing. You're going to go old school. And then this this will draw the ire, of course, of so many fans, uh, White Sox fans, who have a good-looking team, uh, but not a good thing for uh, Tony La Russa. Mental errors, man. They happen on the on the field and also sometimes behind the dugout. The White Sox are 16-13, and 13, half a game out in the central, though, so that's a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, they would be in first place if not for that loss. Uh, the other night. Red Sox uh, lead the Yankees by two and a half games and Tampa. Uh, the, the AL East is starting to settle into what people thought. Yankees are starting to win some games. Tampa right there. Toronto pretty good, but not great. And Baltimore starting to slip a little bit. They are now uh, in last, although four games only separate everybody. Uh, the Detroit Tigers are the worst team in the American League by far, 8-22. and 22. Everybody else seemingly pretty good. Everybody else in the AL within five games of first place in their division early in the season. You go to the NL, and Colorado's 11-19. and 19. They're seven out. Everybody else in the National League is within four games of first place in all the divisions. Competitive. That's pretty dang good, man. Competitive. I, mean, I like it. I talked about it the other, at the end of last week. April was so good for baseball. Sure. And... Uh, story to tell in May, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, sure. when the Dodgers are supposed to be the team to beat, and they sit technically in third place in the NL West, mm-hmm. that's a good thing for baseball. Yeah, I mean, true. San Francisco has been unbelievable, and then you got the Padres who are expected to hang with the Dodgers, and they are, and the Dodgers surprisingly are 17 and 14. Yeah, you know, that's a team that they're, they're thought, on a big losing streak. Yeah, people, last time people thought the Dodgers were going to be one of those teams that could. Threatened Seattle, hundred and what sixteen wins, I think it was. Yeah, uh, your Milwaukee Brewers are no longer in first place, just a half a game out. St. Louis, right there. Not worried about that quite yet. We're good. What's amazing in the NL or in general in, in big league ball is just how many teams are at five hundred or below. Yeah, like, and that's not a danger zone. No, it's that's just... a little bit of baseball anyway. Yeah, we could get to a point where this year in baseball we might not have a hundred game winner. We might. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, it's a little early yeah, to call about that. that. Yeah. But there's so much parity all of a sudden right now in Major League Baseball, we might not have it. Yeah. I like that, though. It's crazy. That's a sport that for a long time we've known who the like, the 
four or six teams in, that are going to be in the mix. We know the mix, but then we don't always know the, the winner. Like, I remember I had watched it a couple years ago. They are the wild card team, and they ended up winning the whole thing. I don't think we saw that coming, but I get what you're saying, though, yeah. Well, even if you look the last couple of years, I know when we've t- discussed this, you look at the playoff matchups, and you're like, hey, I, like, hey, Austin, I can make the case that seven teams could make the World Series here. Sure, There's sure, one sure. team that I'm like, eh, I don't think so. Yeah. But, so we've started to develop depth, mm-hmm. even though there is no salary cap or anything. But teams have figured it out in a variety of ways. And right now, there are a lot of teams that are bunched together. What I don't know is if they're good teams or bad teams. I can't tell you if the Red Sox are good. Yeah. They've been better than advertised, but I don't know if they're good. Yeah. In baseball, that's still a little bit of a small sample. True. Yeah, I mean, when you get to the all-star break, you have a pretty good idea of what these teams are capable of. Then teams start making trade depending on need, and they try to make that run for the playoffs. All right. Baseball uh, is good. No doubt yep. about it. We're going to just survive the rain here, by the way. This yep. Is, it's a good time to end the show. And, by the way, to answer the question on our Facebook, or I guess on our YouTube stream, um, I'm taking Pinnacle tonight, but I am Team Inner Circle. What the hell In the chat. Mean? Don't worry about that. In the chat. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Goose, because I have. <laughs> you know what? I mean, I want to argue on this one, man. I want to argue the call, but I can't argue this one. Yes, in the chat, the in the chat, I am taking uh, team Pinnacle. Help me out. What does that mean? It's wrestling stuff, Brent. Don't worry about it, man. Leave it to professionals. I want to know. It's, it's it's wrestling. It's Team Pinnacle versus uh, Team Inner Circle. Inner Circle A-W. spearheaded. Yes, sir. Spearheaded by uh, Inner Circle's got Chris Jericho at the helm, and Pinnacle is brand new. Spearheaded by MJF. We did an interview with uh, a yes. couple couple days ago. Yeah, he did. How did yeah. that do? Did that perform well? Happy with it. Happy with it. And and he. Are you guys like buddies he, now that you saw And he called me dad. a bad word again, huh? Well, didn't you see his dad? I, did, I didn't see his dad, and, and his dad said that he was he was very impressed with how I handled myself in the interview, which is one of the best compliments I ever received. Uh, the interview went good. He called me some choice words once again, but that's kind of MJF's MO. He also wasn't a big fan of ESPN 690's handle on Twitter. Not a big fan of taking us in his <laughs> tweets. Would rather just do the whole ESPN thing because it sounds better. And you know what, MJF? I get where you're coming from because when people say, who do you work for? I say ESPN and not ESPN 690. So we kind of share the same brain. Huh. I don't know if I like that. Well, what sounds better? I work for ESPN. I work for ESPN 690. People are going to ask, well, what is 690? Well, it's the AM side of the station. And, you know, it's just, no, ESPN. Next question, please. Because maybe we should start sending that message to, like, the salespeople. <laughs> now we're talking. Just sell it as ESPN. Now yeah, we're talking. Part. Now we're talking. <laughs> Or we'll ESPN do like, six, yeah. We'll do the the six ninety in like super tiny font next. Fine print, <laughs> fine print. ESPN ish. ESPN ish. ESPN six ninety. Kinda. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like that, man. It's gonna be, it's gonna be like my new, my new business card. It's giant ESPN and that little six ninety in the corner. Listen, I'm a big fan of the six ninety legendary signal here in the southeast. Well, it's it the goes syndicate. For miles and miles and miles. I mean, yeah. Don't shy away from that. Embrace that. Love that. Can't turn your back on the syndicate. No, you can't. Coos, are we? Is it time to go? Oh yeah. Oh okay. Sorry. Music's playing. The music is light today. Yeah, to turn, hey, turn up on your. One there of those buttons. There it is. Hey, well, first you got time it using all the way jacked up to like twelve. Well, so I can't hear worth a darn. So yeah, right. I said I a darn. Do I'll be over at uh, one of the softball regional games tonight on Fox 30 at 6:50. We'll see you on TV tonight. Back at it tomorrow on ESPN 690 at 3 p.m. Thanks to everybody from Vita de Louis, Cantina Louis here on Monument Road. Happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. Have a good night.